Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast episode 82, Rail Heartbreak and Ruben Remontada. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. No Jack this week, he's on his way back from Wembley, but I'm joined by two very special guests. First up, return to the pod for the first time since I don't actually know when he was last on, but it's long overdue. It's Mr. Dane Whittle, part of the Chelsea Fancast and a host of Went to Mo King's Meadow. Dane, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, evening. Good. Yeah, it's been it's been a good weekend. It's all, it's a nice Easter weekend, obviously. Have been part of Mo King's Meadow. I went to Mo King's Meadow. It was nice to watch the, the women win win fairly comfortable in the end. And then and the men's team followed it up against Palace. So, yes, it was great. We've got a nice day off tomorrow. Luckily off, I'm off for the rest of the week as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great evening and, and appreciate being asked back on. Dane, it is always a pleasure. Uh, and we're joined by Rob Prattley from Chelsea Social, Chelsea Women's Social as well. Rob, how are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Again, have to echo... So what what Dane said, always good to see us win. And, you know, whatever whatever will be, will be with Chelsea. We're back to Wembley, as usual, on both the men and women's side. And in a very bizarre situation, actually, the FA Cup finals in both sides mirroring the League Cup final, um, which I think is the first time it's certainly happened this century. I don't know if it's the first time it's ever happened. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we can get revenge in both cases. Yes, no, exactly, exactly. As I always do with guests, I get them to give themselves a little plug. So, Dane, I'll go back to you first. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find the Chelsea Fancast, but also, you know, your podcast that you run with Dean and and Jane uh, went to Mo King's Meadow. Yeah, I'm at uh, a DWIT9 on Twitter. That's all lowercase. I obviously do the odd bits and pieces for the Chelsea Fancast, which has been going for quite a long time now, and it's got been really successful and obviously everyone should know Stanford Chidge and, and I won't go through all the other guest names but you know there's a good group there and it's an honour to do that and they're on 
Verat Chelsea Fancast on Twitter. Uh, that's all lowercase. And I got quite friendly with Dean Mears behind behind the scenes. And uh, after a couple of months of him and Jane uh, starting the, the women's podcast, went to Mo King's Medal. He asked me to to come on board and, and co-host with them. And 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 I must. I must be given something or doing something right because he hasn't sacked me yet. Uh, but they're at, uh, on Twitter as well at Mo King's Meadow, uh, all lowercase, and obviously uh, a couple of shows a week regarding them. All talking about our our amazing women's football team, and we have, we're lucky to have uh, quite a few intelligent guests on who, who make us look good, especially Rob. You know, sharing sharing the waves again with Rob tonight, which I've done a few times, which is always nice because he's a very intelligent and knowledgeable person. And uh, yeah, that's 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 where we are. All on Twitter. Yeah, Dane's links and those links will be in the description below. And Rob, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter, where they can also find the Chelsea Social and the Chelsea W Social. Yeah, so first I just want to say, you know, intelligent and well-read are two things I've not been called in a long, long time. So thank you very much, Dane. Um, you can uh, find me if you want to find my uh, constant endless rants about refereeing and things at RJP Journalism. I'd recommend the much more interesting follow of being at the Chelsea Social for quality multimedia written edited video content on the men's side and at the CFCW social for the same content on the women's side. Um, really, you know, proud of how much we've produced uh, this year. Again, full coverage of sort of everything. And again, looks like the season is going to continue being a very exciting climax on both sides. Yeah, no, exactly. And as listeners of Bubble know, we have had a lot of great people from the Chelsea social on our podcast since we've been going here. Great guys. And say, so make sure you check those pages and those links which will also be in the description below now before we look back on the night that so nearly was in madrid we ourselves have an announcement and you know it's not the tottenham get battered everywhere they go cheers brighton that also made a brilliant weekend for us it's that we have a sponsorship announcement yes support for that chelsea podcast is brought to you by manscaped who are the best in men's below the waist grooming their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men, and if my math is correct, that's 8 million bulls worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer that we have for you and get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code VATCHELSEAPOD at manscaped.com. Now, Jack and I were very kindly sent the performance package 4.0, and like Solomon Clough Bench, this package is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Now, first off is the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and it will help up. It will help clean up that mess down there better than Gus hitting cleaned up that Chelsea mess when he took over in the 15-16 season. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave. Some might call it the Cesc Fabregas of shavers. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to that mess on the bathroom floor and everyone's a winner there. Now, like Hakim Ziyech's goal v Spurs in January, you no doubt thought that was good. But do you want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps reduce nicks, snags and tugs in all those delicate nose holes. It will get all up in your business like Diego Costa looking for a scrap. Next up, we have their Crop crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. 
Manscaped even threw in two free gifts for us, their performance package in the performance package 4.0, their Manscaped boxes and their shed travel bag. I mean, the travel bag is called the shed. You know you want this. It's time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with code ThatChelseaPod. Let's get 20% off and free shipping with the code ThatChelseaPod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ThatChelseaPod. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Right. There we go. Ads. Love them. It's positive. As he said, we have to go back to the night that so nearly was in Madrid. I was out there. It was, I was 10 minutes away. I said this to Jack. I think it was 10 minutes away from one of the greatest nights in Chelsea history. Dane, just kind of your thoughts, your feelings, your assessments on, on the night that so nearly was in Madrid. Yeah, uh, it was, oh, well, it was, you know, I believed, you know, uh, it's, it's the belief that kills you in sports. I understand that. I believed beforehand that we would score goals. Uh, I, I I believed we were a lot better than, than than Real Madrid, which I still think we are. You know, this takes away nothing from then, you know, on sporting grounds. Good luck and congratulations on getting to the semi-final. But, you know, I thought it was an almost perfect uh, a performance and display if you think they punished us on two really minor mistakes. Uh, uh, Kante, obviously... Um, Sometimes I, I worry if Kante passes anything over ten yards. He has, he has, he has. Sometimes he can give the ball away, and but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame him because I thought he was fantastic. And then and a Rudy slip, and and obviously Benzema is, is is absolutely world class and deadly in those positions. And it, you know, it just it just knocked the, the stuffing out of us, didn't it? But it was a fantastic performance, a great performance, uh, tactically uh, amazing. You know, I'm in awe of Tuchel. I, I I read just before. You know, this recording started that uh, the, the wonderful uh, uh, co-commentator, I think he's on ESPN and ex-Chelsea player, Craig Burley, said that he doesn't think Tuchel's a tactical genius or something along those <laughs> lines, which just sums up a, a load of uh, stupid statements that that man has made probably ever since he left Chelsea. Uh, maybe he feels like he was unappreciated, but haven't see him, seen him play regularly. Uh, I can tell you that if he gets any, any stick off Chelsea, it's fully deserved because he, he wasn't the greatest, uh, especially his back passes. But yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, I thought first 15, 20 minutes, I thought a few players, again, I won't name any. And if I'm, if you hear, if you listen to the Chelsea fan cast on Friday and I'm repeating myself, then I'm sorry about that. But a few players were in the headlights, rabbit in headlights, but then those individual players' performances went from like a six to a nine very quickly and, and, and they all stood up and it was, it was heartbreaking because to put that much effort and still come out on, on the losing side was, was heartbreaking for, for me to watch and for us all to watch, for, for you to have been there. And uh, it, it must have been obviously difficult for you because you, to see your team win, but still go out and put so much effort in. And it was it still hitting me, you know, the, the very next evening when I'm watching the other semi-finals. It just come back to haunt me, you know, the, how well we played and, we, and we're not, uh, we're not, you know, proud of our team to make the semi-finals. And, we, you know, we're not celebrating it. It's, uh, it's harsh reality of, of, of sports at, at the top end, you know, as I said to small mistakes was individually uh, put away by Real Madrid. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's still heartbreaking. I think it'll stay with us for a long time, to be honest. Yeah, no, it was a very, very tough night indeed. You know, one that started off, I think we, as Chelsea fans, we went through 
the range of emotions that night. And I can say being inside that burnabout, I genuinely feel like I went through pretty pretty much every emotion possible. I genuinely felt sick as that game went into extra time. I just had to sit down. I genuinely felt so ill inside. It was horrible. It was a horrible you know, way to end. But Rob, what was your kind of just overriding feeling sort of at full time that game? And what did you kind of pick out from it? Because that was, you know, you don't want to, you know, we're Chelsea and you don't want to sort of, I guess, romanticise defeats. Yeah. But I'm going to use this phrase, which again, I heard on brilliant preview show. It, it was a glorious defeat in a way, in, in many senses that, you know, we did obviously win on the night. We were 3-0 up. We were 10 minutes away from going through. We played Real Madrid off the park for that first 80 minutes and it was so good. And it was one of the best performances we've we've seen. And it was probably one of Chelsea's best ever performances in Europe for those 80 minutes. So just what was your kind of overriding feelings about that game? Yeah, yeah I mean, the phrase Pyrrhic victory um, springs to mind. I will come out and say on the record that if Chelsea in any game, and I've maintained this all the way through, if Chelsea go out and win, lose or draw any match, but they put absolutely 100% effort into every single minute and they go out there and they give their all, that's all I can ask as a supporter. I can't ask for players to do more than that in the same way that if they don't put in 100% effort in every single minute, I have all right to criticise and all right to challenge. I'm very disappointed that I'm not able to use my headline, the Werner Bayou, because I was really excited to get it out. But unfortunately, you know, it was one of those, it wasn't meant to be. Someone said to me and compared it a little bit to um, the previous years of uh, games where in those, um, in our successful Champions League run, you had those moments where if, say, the ball comes to Benzema, Benzema's header goes wide or hits the bar or gets blocked or there's someone in there. In these cases, it was just, you know, I think one of those written in the stars moments where things were sort of not necessarily preordained, but the little luck that you needed sort of deserted you. Um, You know, we scored four perfectly good goals, in my opinion. I I still think, you know, the handball rule is utter nonsense, as proven by the fact that if Alonso's effort had come back off the post, hit Kai Havertz and gone in, it would have been allowed. If it had hit Kai Havertz on the line, it would have been allowed. If it had hit Courtois on the line and it gives an own goal, it would have been allowed. Um, you know, ultimately, we lost to two reasons. Um, one, absolutely unbelievable pass by Luka Modric. And again, there's sort of a what might have been there because Chess was so close to sort of signing him. And the fact we, you know, again, I don't know how much we eulogise over Cesc Fabregas. We could have effectively had that, you know, four years earlier than we did um, with Modric. And carrying Benzema, being carrying Benzema and being that clinical player. And again, it comes back down to that. If we'd have had that, you know, if we'd have had, say, a striker as clinical as Benzema, and I will be, I've credited Havertz in recent games, but I thought Havertz's miss in extra time was poor. Um, I thought some of the other misses in the game were poor. I thought Pulisic's misses were poor. I thought Jorginho's effort at the end was very rushed. You know, it wasn't as if we didn't create chances. And that's what's so frustrating. But ultimately, at the end of the day, give Real Madrid their due. Real Madrid, whatever you think of them in European competition, they know how to win even when they're not playing well. As I said to someone, it wouldn't surprise me if they won the whole thing just because I feel they, you know, have the ability to grind out their results. And also partly because I definitely don't want to see a certain red club winning a quadruple because they'll never shut up about it. Um, Neither will the media. You know, it's one of those games where you sort of, it was an unbelievable Champions League game. And to be honest, I think, you know, Chelsea didn't do themselves pride proud in the first leg and lost it in the first leg and if the first leg had been a better performance then I think we'd probably be looking at you know a showdown again against Pep Guardiola and Manchester City 
So I think it's that first leg you've got to look at, that first 30 minutes of the first leg. We started poorly. Defensively, we were, you know, a bit all over the place. But if you'd have told me after that game against Bayern Munich, where we lost 7-1 on aggregate and were completely outclassed and, you know, Bayern toyed with us back under Frank Lampard, that, you know, two years later, roughly over that, we'll have won another Champions League and we'll be you know, disappointed at the fact we didn't make another semi-final while also winning several other trophies in between that. I think we'd have all took that, you know, and I think that shows how far we've come on the European stage in the last, you know, 18 months to two years in the fact we're disappointed to not make a Champions League semi-final. Yeah, no, exactly. You say over at Halfton, do you go to the Bernabeu, come away with a win and be, you know, pretty gutted that you haven't gone through exactly. It says it, it said it all, it was a night that so nearly was. Now, I guess it's just, you know, the case of, as you said, it just wasn't meant to be. You look at the chances of 3-0. I mean, Courtois saves from Havertz at 3-0 from that corner. Yeah. Kante, unfortunately, tries to play a cheap, a, you know, a cute little pass. It gets intercepted and then Bam about, I don't know, five, ten seconds later, it's in the back of the net, 3-1. We had a couple, you know, glorious chances after to make it 4-1 before it went into a regular time. And again, unfortunately, the second goal, again, was a misplaced pass. Riamdre pounced on it. Rudiger slipped and we were punished and that was it. And unfortunately, we never, you know, despite coming close again, we just couldn't put the ball in back of the net. And we exited the Champions League in, you know, pretty pretty heroic, pretty brave circumstances. But ultimately, we weren't, we didn't do enough. Well, we certainly, we didn't put the ball in the back of the net enough over those two legs, the vast amount of chance we created. And it was very frustrating. Um, before we move on to pass, obviously, you have to give a mention, Mason Mount scored at the Bernabeu. Rudiger scored at the Bernabeu. Timo Werner had his moment. And I jokingly said, jokingly said this with someone on Twitter, but I would love it if Timo Werner could round Thibaut Courtois to send us through. And it nearly happened. It was 10 minutes away from happening. But composure on Timo Werner to slot that goal away. And you said for five minutes we were in that away and we were in just absolute dream land. It was beautiful and it was so close in the air. It's one of those moments, but unfortunately, you know, I'll remember it. I'll remember it for a long time, but ultimately it's, you know, worth nothing in the sense of we're knocked out of Champions League. So it was a tough night. Um, but obviously those guys scored goals, but Daniel, so I want to give you know quick you know praise. Reese James was booked early on, and he was phenomenal. I thought you know after dealing with that booking, uh, you know Timo Werner saved his spot. But also, I want to give a word for Ruben Loftus Cheek because that was a start for him in the Bernabeu. You yes. know, probably yeah. quite a surprise for many people seeing him start. But I thought actually that was a pretty pretty damn good showing for him. I and mean, again, as we'll get onto with the the game against Crystal Palace uh, mm. later as well. You know, it's been our uh, following that Southampton game. You know, three pretty really strong showings after you know before that we were kind of thinking has Ruben's Chelsea career almost petered out of him. And as we've seen these last three games, he's really sort of showing again what he's worth and what he's capable of. Yeah, you know, I, I hold my hands up. I'd sold him in my head in the summer. I thought uh, early on in the season, you know, when he, when he eventually got, got in the squad and on the bench, he was coming on and sort of changing games, looking really positive, looking like he had that yard of pace back and uh, putting some really good performances and got in the team. And then I thought... I thought I believe Tuchel has given him a chance. I believe Tuchel gives everyone a chance, you know, no matter how people, much people moan on Twitter about, you know, we all have favourite players and, and players that we're a little bit more like hit and miss on. Tuchel will give you a chance. And if you don't take it, then that's, that's your problem. And I do believe that uh, uh, Tuchel has given Ruben more of a chance. And I thought he got a bit stale recently and I, as I said I'd sold him in my head but these two last performances uh, and uh, obviously Southampton Madrid and today against Palace have, have, have convinced me not for as much to Tuchel or Chelsea that I think he deserves to stay around if he can build on this 
know Tuchel did a, a good interview about him on on Friday and just absolutely praised him and again you know told him you know he, he needs to stop holding back and believing in himself he's got so much more to give uh we need to stop seeing him as a youngster at the age of 26 you know this is his time you know he should be coming up to his prime uh, and shining and yeah it's it's something that can be worked on as a, you know at, at Chelsea you you very rarely get players who, who will start every week but you know you can be a successful part of a squad rotation and you know if you perform you stay in and Fruven performs he you know Tuchel's already said he likes him you know we see similarities to Balak thank god he's broken that that mold and scored a goal today so you know that's the last sort of thing he needs to get off his back and and now he can start producing obviously the best we saw of him under Sarri you know one of the credits to Sarri which is is another open debate about all, all positives and negatives was he, he really saw something in Ruben he, you know he he moulded him into a really good player really disciplined player and you know he was assisting he was scoring goals and that freaking Bloody friendly for, for all its good causes off the field. So we're, we're talking about on the field that, that absolutely ruptured his, his Achilles and, and, and nearly ruined him as a footballer. But, you know, well done to him. Well done to Tuchel. Well done for the whole, you know, the team for, for believing in him. And I hope, you know, because we want him to succeed. You know, we've been watching him since the youth team and, and, and you know, he got into the England squad and he was talking today about how, how good he did at the last World Cup and, desperate for him to succeed and I hope he can kick on from this you know like you mentioned Timo Timo's had a fantastic couple of weeks you know let's kick on from this and really show show your worth because as I say Tuchel will give you a chance and if you don't take it then 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 that's your problem yeah Rob I guess for me then one of the other stars of that night at Bernabeu was Marcus Alonso who I thought was honestly faultless a player who you know after Brentford I was like that's his you know that's his horror show but ever since that game, he's bounced back strong. You know, again, Sampton, he was good. Today, he was good. And he's, you know, just showing, and Vaseo Bernabeu, he's good. And has said, he scored a worldie with his right peg as well. But just mm. unfortunately, due to VAR, we're just loud. But just kind of your thought, or thoughts on Marcus and his, his general performance. Yeah, I've, again, another player I've been immensely critical of in the past. And, you know, I think it's been valid criticism. But to Marcus Alonso's credit, he is one of the players that doesn't hide um, he does, you know, he clearly does, you know, fight with his heart on his sleeve. Obviously, there are off the field reasons that make it, you know, it does make it a bit uncomfortable. I'll be honest, when you see Mark Alonso still playing professional football. But I think ignoring those, if we look at it from a pure performance, I think it was his grandfather was a, or his great grandfather is a Real Madrid legend. Um, his father has played for Real Madrid. His grandfather had also played for Real Madrid. He went out of the Bernabeu there and gave them a performance for them to be proud of. And I think that was the important thing was that there was a lot of, you know, criticism in the first leg and perhaps fairly, perhaps unfairly of the way we lined up in that first leg and the fact there wasn't any Alonso in the first leg. The fact that, you know, obviously we went with Azpilicueta as the left wing back. And I was a little surprised at that because... To Alonso's credit, one thing he does seem to do in big games is he does seem to step up and he does usually perform when the chips are down. Again, he was poor last year in the FA Cup final, but in other big games, he has really stepped up in the past. Um, Again, they didn't really get much change out of him all game. When he started to tie towards the end, Fede Valverde was doing well against him. Obviously, you can maybe make the argument he should have tracked Rodrigo better for 
that goal, but that, you know, is sort of a bit of a by the by. I'm not necessarily sure it's completely his man. But yeah, no, I think Alonso, he gave a good performance. And I think it's ultimately going to that point now where at his age, he will be thinking, you know, about his longer term future. I think he's got 18 months left on his deal at Chelsea. Um, you know, perhaps it's start time to start looking to be in the shop window and go and experience another league. Um, obviously, Ben Chilwell coming back. You'd imagine Chilwell will come back and be, you know, first choice. But I do think for all of, you know, the criticism Alonso does get, he does, you know, he must do something to ensure he keeps getting picked and to ensure that, you know, ever since he came into the club under Antonio Conte, he's consistently, even when he's been out of the side, he's still been able to consistently get himself back into the fold and back into the picture again and again. So he must do something, right? Yeah, no, no, exactly. And Alonso was gave performance to be proud of. As I said, genuinely, I was proud of all those first starting eleven against Madrid at Bernabeu. They left everything out there. And yeah, it was incredibly proud. It was a difficult, you know, it was a frustrating way to end the competition. You know, think of what could have been. We got so close. In fact, we were, you know, we had turned it around. Um, but it wasn't meant to be. And we exited the Champions League. And now we've just got to hope that uh, Liverpool don't win it. And, you know, hopefully, you know, let's go Villarreal to win the Champions League, please, boys. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be very nice. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. But we moved on, as Chelsea did, you know, one competition to another cup competition. The FA Cup semi-finals versus Crystal Palace at Wembley. And it wasn't a great watch, but we did the job, as Chelsea have reached six finals now since Thomas Tuchel charged since Thomas Tuchel took charge 15 months ago. Their semi-final record under Thomas Tuchel, seven games, six wins, one draw, zero defeats, 10 goals scored, one goals conceded, six clean sheets. Said every time we made a semi-final under Thomas Tuchel, we have got on to the final. And Dane, one of his star, or one of the stars, and the man who put us ahead was a certain Mr. Ruben Loftus-Cheek. That was his first goal since Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League semi-finals in 2019. His stats from those 64 minutes against Crystal Palace. Obviously, he replaced the injured Mateo Kovacic, who we hope is not a serious injury. And he was one again who was superb against Real Madrid. 100% tackles, 100% take on successful, 100% shot accuracy, 100% long ball accuracy, 83% pass accuracy. That was a you know just a really strong, encouraging impact from Ruben. And I guess you know, so we don't know necessarily what the future holds for Ruben. But that felt, especially him putting us in, that just felt a real good, feel good moment in the season. Just like a really happy moment I kind of almost think back to when Trev scored on his debut against Crystal Palace that was just a really heartfelt really happy positive moment and for Ruben to get that first goal for us since coming back from a serious injury it's not been an easy journey back for him but just to get that goal and a big goal as well and a big game just you know it was one of those like you don't really mind who you don't really care who scores the goal for Chelsea but you were just so happy it was Ruben Loftus-Cheek just your kind of thoughts on his performance today 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I know afterwards, you know, the uh, they said to him, oh, you haven't scored Chelsea in three years, you know, not putting into fact we had a, a year on loan at Fulham. So even he corrected him and said, oh, uh, you mean for Chelsea? Yeah, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's been looking quite, quite uh, rusty in front of goal, quite poor, like not wanting to take the shot, would prefer to pass, you know, in, in recent months. And as I said early on this season, he was starting to look really good. You know, he was taking on players. He looked stronger. He looked uh, more belief in, in his body and, uh, and his power. And, but he was just happy to always pass it off. So, so when it f- fell to him and, and, and he connected so well, and obviously yeah, it got, got a slight nick, but when he went in the top corner, yeah, you know, jumping around our living room. And then you realise who it is. You know, you're so happy for him. As I said, and sorry for repeating myself, you know, this is a guy we've been watching for, you know, for, for over 10 years now, uh, 10 odd years, you know, kind of from youth team, you know, he's had, he's, he's been unlucky due to the managers, you know, the, uh, the permanent opening and, and closing of, of, of doors with coaches and everything. And then he has to go on loan and injuries and, yeah, it's, it's been so hard for him. So, 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 you know, to see that Tuchel still, clearly believes in him still talks of him so highly and I just hope now that he starts to believe in himself more and, and start to believe that you know he belongs here and 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 he has a right to be and if Tuchel is picking you he's picking you on merit you, you know uh having having watched Tuchel now you know and really focusing on how he is as a man and a manager you know apart from the odd cup game you you're in there for merit because he believes you can do a job and uh maybe harsh you know maybe some people criticize me and I, as I said I thought he was a little bit rabbit in headlights for the first 10-15 minutes maybe 20 minutes in 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 the Bernabeu Madrid and I thought you know you should have so much confidence from Tuchel saying yeah you know this is what I want you to do we're playing Real Madrid we have to get this result you know you have to be this tactical discipline you know I want the position and movement energy and everything from you that should give you so much confidence and if that doesn't then nothing will but as I said he grew for me obviously my eyes tell me something different from you know you watching it or Rob or, or anyone else and and for me then grew from like just just scraping a six to like a nine performance in the Bernabeu and and going coming on from the previous Southampton performance where he was sort of as a right wing back but what you notice not with Dave and Alonso but when when Reese and Chilwell play uh was playing right wing back so successful in the season they they, they they do a system where they come inside and they take over the central uh, part of midfield and uh when someone will sort of cover their right side so it obviously gives always something of the other team and the manager and the tactics to think about and they can do that to Ruben I, I don't notice them doing it with Dave or Alonso when they're wing backs with Ruben he was doing that a lot of Southampton although he was positioned on the on, on the right wing back side he was coming in centrally and, and staying out and taking up that position in uh, in the Bernabeu he's more on the right side of a diamond if I can if I if I if I could see it right it, it's hard to sometimes break down the tactics because what you think you see is, is different to what obviously Tuchel tries to explain and again he came on today you know he was the first obviously thought to come on he could have brought on other players he could have brought on Kante but he, he obviously thought about his power and 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 you know how he can drive from midfield you know similar to Kovacic you know he can turn a defence into the attack within, you know, like a good 50 yards. And yeah, brilliant for him, you know, you know, it's, it was a sigh of relief when he scored because we was a little bit lethargic, but 
yeah amazing and and obviously we're so happy for him and you know he's sitting there tonight and you know the job's not done there's still so much to do this season you know cement that top four and hopefully win an FA Cup he should be so proud of himself uh where he's come in recent weeks and he's got to build on this because if he doesn't then Tuchel will just give an opportunity to someone else yeah Rob our second goal scorer Mesa Mount that now means he scored in three different semi-finals for Chelsea Manchester United in 2020 Real Madrid in 2021 Crystal Palace in 2022 three consecutive uh games in a row he scored two goals and assist for Southampton goal and assist for Real Madrid Goal today versus Crystal Palace. Um, again, we're talking for a player who, again, I kind of said this a lot, we don't feel as perhaps necessarily reach for levels he did last year. He's not having a bad season, is he? Yeah, I mean, because I've found a lot of the criticism amount this year stupid. Um, a lot of the time it seems to be social media having a go at him because he's not, you know, aesthetically pleasing. It reminds me of when people have a go at Bruno, had a go at Bruno Fernandes last year. And you could just point to it and say, well, I think he scored 25 goals and got, you know, Eight assists. I don't think that's a bad season for anyone. Um, I think it's what twenty-five goal, combined goals and assists, or twenty-six combined 26 goals. Twenty-six goals and assists season yeah, this year now. Exactly. You know, if that's a bad season, I'll happily take that. In all honesty, um, I'll happily accept that. Um, it seems, you know, just stupid sort of nitpicking. In all honesty, um, if I am, you know, completely sort of blunt about it, um, I will say that I do think that at times he has perhaps benefited from, you know, or could have benefited from a rest and maybe need to be taken out the firing line. And at times, Mount has been, you know, um, shielded, I think, in some capacity from some of the criticism that possibly has deserved criticism, because I think at times his performances have been below the standard. But if we're talking about someone at his age who is, you know, we're talking about it now and saying, oh, it's, you know, he needs to get more consistent... I think Mount is, what, 23 now? Has he just turned 23 or is he mm. still 22? I mean, regardless, you're talking about someone who, you know, is only going to get better and more consistent as he gets older, is only going to become a more important piece. He's finally, I think, starting to really decide his best position, which I think is that left-hand side of that attack. Um, I think you can also play him deeper in the midfield, but I think he's better on the left-hand side of the attack. And... I think, you know, once you sort of factor all of that in and you put all of that together, you're going to end up with a real, you know, an unbelievable, unbelievable player. I'm, I would like to sort of, you know, also, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, Mason Mount is someone who has been there and done that with Chelsea in terms of through the youth level with the F, Youth FA Cup. I mean, he was part of that unbelievable period in the sort of 2010s when, Chelsea would basically enter the Youth FA Cup and just win it at the end of the year. And the only surprise would be how many goals they scored and, you know, how many conceded. Would it, you know, surpass the previous year's total? Um, I just want to quickly make one final sort of point on going back to sort of Mount and Loftus cheek in sort of both of them is that it's so good from a fan perspective to see two players that are steeped in Chelsea and have come through the academy. You know, I'm a, again, it kind of made me smile this afternoon in that I saw Christensen and, um, Loftus-Cheek playing for Chelsea at Wembley when I saw both of them, yeah, in 2014 playing against Arsenal in a youth FA Cup. Um, so if I at Stanford Bridge and yeah, that game, Loftus-Cheek ran that show as well. He got an assist in that one. But, it, you know, Christensen obviously looks like he's going to move on. But I'd say, you know, whatever, I, I, I'm happy to say, you know, wish him well and thank you for what he's done at the club. But this should now be the evidence to the club is that you've got Loftus-Cheek as the original sort of post boy of the academy. 
Maybe his career hasn't kicked on as much as it could have, but he's still become a very good footballer. Mason Mount can become a real, real star. Uh, Arguably, he's already there. Can become a true world-class attacking talent. I don't quite think he's at that bracket yet, but I think it's, you know that's the next step, and I don't think it's that far away. Gallagher has obviously come back in, is another player like that. You've got people like um, Lewis Bate and Harvey Vale as the next step. And this is my message, I think, to the new ownership. Keep investing in the academy because the structure is there to continue dominating and continue bringing that one or two world-class players every single year out of the academy. And more importantly, the structure is there to bring through 10 to 15 players that can make a career in professional football and live their dreams at whatever level professionally. And that's the most important thing because that's what the academy should be there for. Not every player is going to make it for Chelsea. I don't believe that. But every player should be given the best possible chance to make the grade in football. And I think that's something that Cobham Academy now does. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I don't know. After look at our team, there quite a fair few Cobham graduates there. And it's always nice to see two Cobham boys on the score sheet. Dan, you have your hand up. Five of them today. Five in the starting line five, yeah. Five, yeah. It's just uh, yeah, just a couple of points on Mason, which you know, which come to my mind when, when Rob was talking, was uh, you know the criticism he gets is usually from the uh, franchise franchise player fans you get on Twitter who are very upset that a certain player you know that they adore who is not in the team, so then they'll then they'll slag off Mason. Uh, but also he benefits from, you know, Rob made a good point about a couple of things he benefits from. Well, he benefits from being such a good tactical player. Yeah. Uh, he's, he screens positions really well with, with pressing and pressurising. Rob's right, you know, a, a few times he hasn't played well. And, you know, you, sometimes you need to be in a merit, but he does such a good job tactically. But when he was struggling, the assists wasn't coming, the goals wasn't coming. But I think he's also benefited in recent weeks, like Timo, from playing more centrally. Sometimes under this, you know, the the free, free four sort of free sort of formation they've had. uh, You know, you'd have the central striker, and Timo would be so wide, and Mason would be so wide, and they they just so much much more effective. You know, centrally, Uh, the last three games, I think Werner as well has been absolutely outstanding. You know, as soon as Big Rom come on today, again, Werner went so wide. But you, you hear people talk about Werner and, they, and even in recent uh, months when, when Tuchel played that 4-1, 4-1 formation, he had Werner out on the left and people would be criticising on Twitter saying, you know, this guy's a never professional footballer in his life. Well, you know, he's better than me, he's better than you, he's better than Rob and he's better than the idiots who write it on Twitter. Some players are limited to systems. It doesn't make him a bad player in tactics. It's just the way it is. You know, if you know anything about Timo... Just because he likes to drift out to the left doesn't mean he, he likes playing out on the left. You know, there's a difference between uh, playing out on the left or or playing a full free free and being the left side or actually playing through the middle and drifting out to the left. And that's what he likes. And against Southampton and, and against Madrid, he's been playing more central, more inside, and he drifts out to the left. That's just the way it is. Mason's been more central. And we've seen how effective these players are. And it, it's a credit to them. And as I said, you know, Tuchel will give you the chance to whether you're Z- Ziyech, Pulisic, you know, Kai, maybe not Rom at the moment, but uh, with a bit of a contradiction, you know, you know, he will give you a chance. And if you don't perform, then give someone else that chance. Yeah, Rob, I'll kind of let you carry on this conversation. Timo Werner, this was a man who literally on the last pod I got asked after this, I was just from Southampton, is this, you know, a one-off or is it, you know, a turning point? And I said it's a one-off because, he, you know, <laughs> Southampton, it's Southampton, the way they play, he yeah. will not get the opportunity again. But credit to him, 
these performances, we are starting to see, you know, maybe at long last, but the best team I've ever said against Madrid, I thought before he got substituted, he was brilliant. You know, he was one of the best players on the pitch. The composure for that goal to last, you know, plus three and up. Again, today, you know, got, got an, uh, an assist for, for Mace's goal, would have got an assist if Rom could finish. Um, but again, that was a really encouraging performance from Timo. And I guess the question is on Timo, he is, he is a player who, again, it, like, I think divides opinion. I think loved, certainly by match-going fans, I think he's still fairly loved, although I do think in, in recent weeks that had potentially been waning. But just looking at the stats, and I realise, again, this is going to, my point is going to be how stats can be manipulated, but Timo Werner has been directly involved in 40 goals since joining Chelsea. 82, ga- 82 games, 22 goals, 18 assists, 0.64 goals assists per 90. Mm. Obviously, I'm aware some of that stats will be cups, you know, lesser yeah. opposition, and in the league, we only need to look at the stats. So I think he's on about nine Premier League goals or whatever in his Chelsea career over two seasons, which isn't, you know, good enough. But how do you kind of just assess Timo Werner? Because this was a man that, you know, a few weeks ago, we were like adamant he's out the door. And look, he may still be out the door in the summer. Yeah. But these last, you know, three games, he's really shown that, you know, there is a player there. And arguably, you know, right now he's in that first choice front three. And, you know, I guess my second question is, how has it maybe taken, you know, why has it taken basically so long for Tuchel to realise or maybe potentially receive that this current front three of Mount Havertz and Timo, the one that started the Champions League final, the one that won the Champions League is potentially our best front three? So I think there's a couple of points to make here, probably three of them. Firstly, I think it's worth pointing out the difference between Werner and Lukaku and why I think more match-going fans are willing to give Timo Werner than they are Romelu Lukaku. When Werner misses a chance... His head isn't down. He isn't berating teammates. He isn't moaning. He doesn't shy away from it. He just gets his, you know, picks his head back up and runs and, you know, does whatever, works hard. That's the minimum you can ask of any player. Am I going to pretend that I would like, wouldn't like to see Murna score more goals? Yes, I would. I've seen what, you know, unbelievable player he can be at RB Leipzig. And, you know, what a terrifying forward he can be with his pace and his ability to get him behind. I do think Chelsea, a lot of the time, haven't played to Werner's strength in that Werner's strength is how early, you know, he makes some unbelievable early runs. And, okay, five times, you know, let's say he makes five runs, four of them might be offside, but one of them will be timed perfectly to be in one-on-one. And it's that one when you're in one-on-one. If they finish that, that's the goal. Now, play again, I you know, I watch a lot of Chelsea women. Um Sam Kerr is the exact same. Sam Kerr makes loads of runs. Four times out of five, Sam Kerr will be caught offside, and some of her offsides are ridiculous offsides. But it's that one time she's not caught offside that she'll go in one-on-one, put it into the far corner, bang, she's away. And bang, she's away and puts it away. Werner obviously hasn't done that yet for Chelsea, but I do think he is, and this is the other thing, I see shades of Torres in him in terms of the confidence player. Torres used to be like it in that he'd go on a long drought and then would score one and then would score again and again, and would keep getting goals for a few games, and then would have a poor game, and then there would be a rut. And, you know, when he was fit and flying, he was firing. When he wasn't, you know, he was poor. But he did always work hard, and he did always put an absolute shift in. In terms of the front three, I think an element of it was the fact that Lukaku, I think Thomas Tuchel did want Roman Lukaku, but I don't think he wanted more than Erling Haaland. I think Thomas Tuchel wanted Erling Haaland and he wanted to be able to play maybe Mount Haaland and Havertz in a front three, for argument's sake, or Werner, Haaland, Havertz in a front three. Because I think he knows that Havertz's best 
at his best when he's operating in that final third in that false nine position. He knows that Mount is at his best when he's, you know, on that left-hand side using that half space. That then leaves you with the right wing, and I don't think we've ever sorted out that right wing question. You know, I, I'm one of the purists that subscribes to the agreement that, you know, besides Pedro and Willie, since, you know, Pedro declined in his form and William was, you know, blue, hot and cold all the way through, I don't think Chelsea have had a world-class right winger, and this might be controversial, since going back to the days of Robin and Duff is the last time we had a true world-class right winger where I looked at them and said, right, they've got the fullback on toast every single time. When Lukaku was signed, I think the plan was to try and make Havertz that right-sided attacker. Don't think that's worked out. think that Lukaku hasn't helped himself. Obviously, you know, the injury is unavoidable, but coming back and doing that interview is, you know, I think put a cloud over everything. And it makes it a lot harder for, you know, anyone to have any sympathy, I think, with him from a Chelsea point of view, because you sort of think, well, you know, you brought this upon yourself. So... You know, I think with Werner, Werner, I don't, I don't really know what I like to team of Werner. If Werner keeps scoring till the end of the season, do you keep him around and hope that you know this is the turnaround? Maybe, but at the same time, do you possibly cut your losses in the summer? We know Dortmund are going to be looking for a replacement to Holland. You can maybe sell him back to Germany, and you can get a proper right winger if you want to, put, you know, persist with Mount Havertz and then a real world class right winger. I really don't know. Um, but I will say, Timo Werner, like, I can't ask for any more than 100% in the shirt. And that's why I think he's so well-beloved by matchday fans, even though he hasn't scored all the goals we expected him to. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Said, And it's been really nice and encouraging to see. And I say even today, like, you know, some of his runs were getting spoiled. He was getting in behind at points, you know. Be starting to see, yeah, hopefully maybe something is starting to pick for Timo. And it was certainly... Uh, really, really encouraging to see there. No, it was, you know, Timo's form, you know, it's been one of the big, you know, positives. And hopefully he can have a strong finish to the season because, say, Chelsea, you know, we've got the FA Cup final to play it. And I guess, you know, Rob, I mean, it's a long way off. Form can change from then. But, you know, given from you know, given the way Liverpool play, given, you know, the chances we did get, you know, getting in behind them in that final, would you be tempted to sort of stick with the, the Werner Mount Havertz front three for, for that final? Um. Certainly at the moment, I would. Obviously, it comes when you come towards nearer the time. Yeah. Obviously, if, you know, Pulisic decides to suddenly refine lockdown Pulisic form or, you know, I think Ziyech in general has been playing quite well recently when he has been starting. Obviously, he hasn't started the last couple, but I think Ziyech has been doing better in the second half of the season. I think it's difficult. What I would really like, what I will really say is that we need to settle on a front three and it needs to be the front three because I don't think chopping and changing is helping get any fluidity in there. And I think you need a situation like Liverpool's front three, to use it as an example, where you've got, you know, Mane, Salah, Jota. And then you've got people like, I mean, Diaz arguably who's coming in for Mane. You know, maybe he's going to start being the first choice. You've got Firmino who's sort of in and around. And you've got players that are hungry enough to want to be starting, but they've got to come in and perform in order to start. And it can't just be a case of rotating for rotation's sake. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, before we get on to a few listener questions we got sent in, there was obviously kind of news in the ownership race of Chelsea Football Club. Some, you know, I think, very welcome news, I think, fair to say, but the Ricketts family consortium pulled out. Um, Dane, kind of, you know, just gauging the mood of Twitter the last few weeks, and I realised it's Twitter, but there did kind of seem to be a general, almost doom and gloom, but it, a lot of people kind of felt it was almost inevitable that the Ricketts would take over. They did kind of almost feel to be a general, like they were maybe sort of getting favouritist treatment, etc. How had they gone and so far? Just your kind of, what was your just kind of reaction when you kind of heard the news that the Ricketts family, you know, are not in contention to earning Chelsea Football Club? Wow, it was, I was uh, stunned, you know, uh, obviously the odd football news comes out now and it stops you in, in your tracks, doesn't it? And obviously, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of note of what people have had to say on Twitter, you know, some with a pinch of salt, some with not, you know, we can talk about uh, certain family members and their views and values and, and thoughts on, 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 on all different subjects revolving around life and how worrying that was but on also on the sporting side of, of you know how badly they've been running with Chicago Cubs you know luckily I'm I'm good friends with Brian Wolf who's uh, who's a Chicago Cubs season ticket holder uh you know he's also you know a big voice of in you know the Chelsea overseas supporters you know you know community and uh you know, I, I know he's he was very critical of them early on and he, he tried his hardest to get his point across and and the point to the club. And it hasn't been given the credit he, he's been deserved because he is outspoken. Uh, you, you've got to know him to, to appreciate him and love him. But, you know, again, you know, you know, like I can send you a, a personal message and because you can't send, see my personality at the time and my facial expression, you can... Uh, you can judge, oh, is that is that him being funny or is that him being a certain way or or what? And and that's what Twitter does. You know, we're seeing people's messages, and sometimes it's hard to judge and you form an opinion of people. But you know, Brian has has, has always been good and, and and loyal to Chelsea, and and he knows the Ricketts a lot better than, than me and and a lot of people on Twitter. But yeah, you're right. I thought it was only going one way. I didn't like, well, you know people like Bruce Buck and, and it seemed like they was bending over backwards for the Ricketts and he's got previous history with them. And so as, as, as rain. Uh, so yeah, it was a worrying time. So I, I, I sort of, I was hoping for, for obviously another outcome, but you start to, you start to worry that they were going to be our owners and trying to accept how it would look, you know, because every time it seems like Chelsea do something good, whether it be a player, an ex-player or, or supporters sort of make it up for us and make us look bad. So I just thought, oh, this is freaking typical Chelsea, isn't it, if they take over? So, wow, yeah, it was, it, it, as I said, it stopped me in my tracks and then it just started me get me thinking about the the three other possibilities and 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 who it could be and trying and look uh, more in depth at, at all of them individually and as, as a com- consortium. And so going back to the Ricketts, if it's true that... After all the effort they put in, you know, and all the lobbying and and all the promotion for them, 
if it's true that they couldn't decide on who was getting, you know, the right percentages of the club, then that is amazing to think that they left it that late to have a, have a chat about it. You know, I might be wrong, you know, I might have wrong, right, read the wrong articles, but, you know, if if it was down to that, then, then that's amazing. But either way, I don't care what it was down to in the end. I just didn't want them involved in in, in our club, our, our mm. beloved Chelsea, and I'm, I'm thankful that it's going to be someone else. It's yeah. quite funny, actually, because I read apparently they tried to buy a um, M- MLS team at some point in a similar consortium build-up, and that deal fell through because they couldn't mm. agree on who was going to get what level of ownership. Um, I will say, again, I, I think it's fair. I've had conversations with various people over the last couple of weeks who are involved in various ownership bids, um, and I've spoken to people who are various potential owners um, or have spoken to various potential owners. I will say that in the interest of fairness, the Ricketts family, uh, people like Laura Ricketts shouldn't be held responsible for what their father said. And Laura Ricketts herself would have been a very good custodian, I think, for the football club. Um, Again, very sort of pro-LGBTQ+, which I think is important. She did come and attend uh, the Chelsea women game against Reading. She did talk to the Chelsea Pride and the uh, women supporters group, which some of them haven't done. Um, which I think, you know, is I give fair credit to them. However, out of those that I've spoken to, I've now spoken to bidders from everywhere, actually. There are two of them, and I'm in the interest of impartiality, I won't name two, who, but there are two of them that stand out head and shoulders above in terms of the vision they have, not just for the men's side, but for the club as a whole, um, in terms of the keeping the academy at the top level, keeping the women at the top level, keeping the men at the top level, and also developing Stamford Bridge whilst, you know, keeping its heritage and its cultural roots, but also developing it into a modern state-of-the-art stadium um, and other things as well. And I have to say, if either of those two bidders do win, then I would be extremely, you know, happy and comfortable with the future and whoever holds it. And, of course, the new owners can potentially now look forward to that one of their first games in charge, you know, on either side might be lifting two pieces of silverware, might be winning, lifting the men's FA Cup and the women's FA Cup. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I think, you know, in general consensus, the Ricketts bid falling through was great news for a lot of people. And I think, you know, just kind of, you know, a bit of a, a spring new step because, again, it didn't, you know, the science didn't seem to be to be looking too good. But that was very nice news to hear. Now we just wait and hope, you know, the process can, you know, continue and just get sorted as soon as possible, um, really. Right, we're going to move on to some listener questions. We haven't got too many to get through, so we'll get through them fairly quick. Uh, the next first question comes in from RJ, good friend of the show. RJ, have the past two games given you a feel for which players may be hanging around, be perhaps not? If so, who? Dane, I'll go to you first. If anything, these last two games have just confused me on who's staying around and who's going. Because as I mentioned earlier, I, weeks, you know, I was, I've kind of felt like Rube, a few games ago, I'd have said Ruben's off, I'd have said Timo's off. But now I'm kind of thinking Timo Werner is in our first choice starting eleven now, and I can't believe I'm saying that from him probably being, you know, thinking weeks ago he's probably one of my last choices to have. He's probably now one of the, the first of my team sheets. So have these past few two games given you a feel for which players maybe hanging around, perhaps not, or is it just you know muddy the waters even more, made even more confusing? Jesus, what a great question from RJ. Who's, who's I tell you what, I, I'm talking on, on Twitter about forming an opinion on someone, but Jesus Christ, you can't form a, a negative opinion on that bloke. What a lovely man he, he, he seems he is, and I'd love to meet him one day uh, around the Chelsea game. Uh, 
Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because as I said, I, you know, I'd sold Ruben in my head. I was, I, I like, you know, like Rob rightly praised Alonso for his performance in Burnabout and against Southampton. Before that, I was thinking I can, in, in his deputising of Chilwell, I could probably count on, on, on one hand the amount of good performances he had. In the Carling Cup final, he was excellent as well against Liverpool. So I'd, I'd sold him in my head. And I thought, in, 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 if you look, you know, I mentioned it on the fan cast, you know, Joe Tweeds, you know, who's another very intelligent man and, and, and supporter of Chelsea. And he has some fabulous tweets. Eh? He, he, you know, after, the, you know, Southampton Bernagao, he said, rightly said, you know, this is the blueprint for how I want Chelsea to play. So, you know, we should stick to this. And 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 buy players and and play this system and and you go for it. But you can you can only carry certain players. I don't think Dave can play in that system. Jorginho or, or like you can't have like I don't think personally you could have like a Jorginho, Dave, and Alonso in that system. But you're playing against Southampton and and Madrid because listen, Jorginho is a world class player in a, in, a, in a team that suits him and how you play. But he does slow possession down. And if you want to play that possession based game, then great. You know. Put Jorginho at the base of the spine, build a team around him. But I think we're so much better, as we saw in our Champions League run last season, where we eventually won it by playing that high-pressing game with position and movement, energy, discipline, uh, and it just brings so much out of us. And you can you can sort of carry the odd players, like maybe lack of movement. And if it's harsh and Alonso, you know, I apologise, who was massively amazing in Bernabeu, but it's a hard one to call because, you know, as, as you said, you know, you, you, I'd, I'd, I'd sold Ruben, I'd sort of sold Timo as well. And I, but I knew he's going to go somewhere else and bloody bang in the goals. It's just odds on us. I've seen us over the years by so many strikers. I mean, you wonder freaking hell scouted these players because we're not playing to a system that suits them. And you can't just expect them then to come in and, and, and play in a system that doesn't suit them, you know, like, like, like Torres, you know, going back as far back as that. Gerard was an amazing player for Torres. Looked up, passed the ball straight away, fast Torres is in goal. When he came to Chelsea, I was over the moon, you know, and then I'm sitting there thinking, who thought this was a good decision? Because it just looked so like square pegs and round holes. And even Lukaku, I know we've got a question coming up about him, but I'm happy he's come back because it always would have been hanging over my head because obviously we've seen the YouTube video when he was a kid, you know, over here and, and doing a tour of Stamford Bridge. And we always wondered, you know, he had a love for Chelsea. So I'm glad he's come back. If it, if you're not going to play to his system and it didn't work, then fine, hold our hands up and he can go. But I, I'm, I'm glad I know that he's come back and we tried to make it work rather than not. But yeah, I'll tell you what, we, we, I'd love to answer this question, RJ, at the end of the season and be in a better position to know what what the future holds, you know, what vision Tuchel's got. If he likes to, as I say, go from uh, the, the tactics of Southampton and Real Madrid, twist it to the tactics of today, where we are sitting a little bit deeper, we are like uh, more possession passed and taking our time. If that's, if that's the choice he wants, then it'll be hard to call who who, who is coming and who, who will be going. Yeah, Rob, I guess similar to you, the last two games giving you maybe a better indication for which players might be hanging around you, perhaps not, or is it just, you know, made it even more harder to, to decide game performances of some players? I mean, there are a couple of players, I think, who've just firmly, you know, nailed themselves in the exit door in the last couple of games. Um, Lukaku, I know we've got a separate question coming up about him, but like, I think, uh, you know, after the interview I had, he was on final, you know, warning territory and the performances just have been so poor ever since then. Uh, sort of unrelated, but I think Kepp will probably move on this summer. Um I think it's probably right for him. He's sort of, you know, had his period. He spent some time, you know, rebuilding his um, 
career and credit to him, you know, for the mental strength of that. I think he now needs to go somewhere and play week in, week out. Uh, Jorginho, again, I, you know, I was, I've been critical of him in the past. I think, you know, he was excellent last year. I think he's done very well to change people's perception of him, but I think it's naturally just the right time for him to move on. Um, Christensen, I think we all know he's going, um, you know, wish him well in the future, just besides when he plays us. People like Malang Saar, are they ever, you know, going to really be regular players? Are they going to take minutes away from people like Levi Colwell next year? You know, there's a debate to be had with that. If they're happy to stick around as sort of squad options, do you maybe, you know, leave them in there? Um, it's sort of difficult. I think, you know, the front three, I think, is the one where it's really interesting. So you've got Ziyech, Pulisic, Lukaku, Werner, even Hudson Adoy, who all of them you probably make arguments and say, if any of them were sold, would you be that unhappy? Um, maybe a bit harsh on Hudson Adoy, but I don't think he's kicked on enough considering what he should be. And I think, you know, he needs to be playing week in, week out. Werner, we've discussed. Lukaku, we've discussed. Pulisic just never seems to be consistent, is consistently inconsistent. And Ziyech, you know, I think he is 30 now, so maybe you sort of. Is he 30? Let me check if I've got that one right. He's around that age, isn't he? Yeah. 29. 29. You know, is this the last summer where you can get a good fee for Ziyech and sort of move him on? I, I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, RJ, to, to answer your question, hasn't given me any clearer indicator of which players might be hanging around or not. You know, it's a tough one to really call. There's, you know, some harsh decisions probably need to be made. I think realistically, we could probably call two of our attackers at least, maybe, maybe more. Um, midfield is an interesting one. I think Conor Gallagher, Conor Gallagher coming in next year will be a great option to have. We've got a decision to be made with N'Golo Kante and Jorginho, I think. Yeah. Um, I would keep, you know, I would keep Kante, but and Gior- Jorginho, I'm fine keeping. But if we got an offer, I'd entertain. It's probably the same for Kante, to be fair. I think, you know, you get to a point where harsh decisions, harsh clinical decisions need to be made. And then as I say, looking at the defence, uh, we've got a question from Anna who asked about Christian. Yeah, Christensen's basically off. We know that. Uh, Rudiger, we don't know. Aspi, we don't know. He signed the contract, but I think he still, you know, talks that he'd still like to, he still might be off. Uh, so it's, it's tough. There's decisions to be made. And I guess, um, hopefully once new ownership takes over, that situation can become slightly clearer. But it's a tough one to say who will be hanging around and who will not be. Because I said, I, you know, Ruben lost a cheek and Timo Werner have been, been sort of the stars of the last um, two games or so. Um, the next question comes in from Anna. Andreas Christensen was substituted off during the FA Cup final. Do you think that his form has dipped a bit in recent months? And do you think this is potentially his final season with us? I think uh, potentially his final season with us. Yes, I think all evidence points to that. He's not signed the contract. Tuchel's basically, you know, seems to kind of resign to that. Uh, do you think his form's dipped at all, though, Dane? To be fair, I thought today was he was pretty solid. Yeah, hi, Anna. A nice question. Uh, yeah, there there was moments, you know, he looked good today and, and rusty, you know. Uh, it's a hard one because, you know, if he has signed for Barcelona, which we all believe he, he has, uh, you know, it's only natural. Your, your head's going to wonder. It's like us booking a holiday and, and, and working for those weeks in advance and, and, and dreaming of where we're going. Uh, is it, you know, it is hard to be professional, you know, and you, you, you think I, he did look very injured when he came off. Uh, and I just think they wanted Thiago Silva to shore it up. What I like about Christensen is it, it, it's hard to compare him to Thiago Silva because when he was playing in, in, in the free, 
uh, you know, in, in that back three, he was fast, you know, he used to come out from defence, like to pass the ball. And I was always happy. But then we signed Thiago Silva and Thiago Silva does it so much better and so much faster. He's, he's probably the best in the world at, at playing that that role in, in the three. So it, it then looks really harsh on, on, on Christensen. But, you know, these are the decisions the footballers make. And, you know, if, if his head and heart's already in Barcelona, then... Yeah, it's going to affect your performances, you know, no matter what you say. But I don't think he's looked that bad. I don't think he's looked that bad. He just hasn't looked as solid as Rudiger, who, even though he's he's had a couple of questionable performances recently, I still think the levels he has reached since Tuchel's taken over is 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 probably the highest in in European football. He won't get the credit he can deserve, and I'm not doing this old poor old us and poor old Chelsea rubbish. But if he, if he had been playing for Liverpool. They'd be doing polls and everything on, on Sky Sports News about if he's the best defender in the world ever uh, or he ever lived. And, uh, and Thiago Silva, say, so consistent and, and, and we know what Dave brings and, and, and Chaloba's been good this year. But yeah, it's, it's been a good fight for to get in that front three. But yeah, I think he's off and, and it's, it's just something we have to accept. Yeah, Rob, just kind of your thoughts on, on Christensen? Because I think aside from about Real Madrid first, like where, you know, he we got caught out a bit, I can't really think of him, you know, his form necessarily dipping. I think obviously he's just been in and out the side a bit. Trev, he's kind of rotated a bit with Trev and then Trev now just, you know, out the side out of favour. Mm-hmm. Just kind of your thought, thoughts on AC, but I know you kind of mentioned earlier, but, you know, he kind of will go with your, you know, your best well wishes, but just, I guess, just a word on, on AC. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm perhaps of an odd feeling that, I, you know, footballers careers are finite and footballers only get one chance of their career. They never know what's going to happen. Christensen, I think by the time he leaves, we'll have won, you know, most things in England. Um, I think technically he's won a Premier League title. He was part of that. He's certainly been part of a squad. He's won the FA Cup. He's won the Europa League. He's won the Champions League. Obviously, he hasn't ticked up that coveted League Cup, but, you know, I'm sure <laughs> that, that, you know, soften the blow. Um, I, I think, you know, he's performed, again, the performance in the first leg was poor, but I think that was poor, you know, overall. I don't think it was just Christensen that was bad. Um, in terms of taking the minutes, if there was a youngster at the club, I mean, for example, if Levi Colwell was back at the club at the moment, I'd say give the minutes to Levi Colwell and blood him in. But because there's not an obvious youngster to come in, I mean, you could give the minutes maybe to Xavier Simons, although he technically is also out of contract in the summer. Bay, uh, not Bay, sorry, Lewis Hall, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, Lewis, but not Lewis Bay. Uh, I was gonna say it's a bit like a Lewis Bates situation where with Xavier Simons, but. With um, yeah, Lewis Hall, you know, maybe he's an option at centre back. He has played there at times for the youth side. But to be honest, I think you use him until the summer, and then he goes sort of with the blessing. I mean, obviously we don't know with Rudiger. I think Rudiger still will stay. Um, I think Aspilaqueta might end up going in the summer. I think you know the club might do a similar thing with Giroud, where they get a tiny fee for him, or they maybe just let him go on a free. But they just take the assurance until they've got the new ownership in. Um, again, you know, what happened to any of them, even if Rudiger did leave the summer, I think he probably leaves with a blessing because ultimately you can't force players to stay and careers are finite. So, Yeah, and I think Andres Christian probably deserves a lot of credit because I think a lot of us had, had written him off, especially under yeah. Frank. So to come back, achieve what we did, came on in a Champions League final and didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, I think, you know, he's he is an academy graduate. You know, I think people kind of forget that because he's maybe not one of the English <laughs> yeah. lads. Uh, but he is an academy graduate who has made it at Chelsea, who's had a pretty successful career at Chelsea. So uh, he he kind of, you know, I wish him all best. Now he is a top defender. Um, hopefully, you know, this is, you know, thank, hopefully Barca 
don't steal our defence. Um, but yeah, you know, he's a top defender and wish him well. And our final question comes in from the score. What do we do with Lukaku this summer? Can his Chelsea career be saved or does he have to go? Ah, Dane, I'll um, go to you on this. Oh, sorry, Rob. I'll, I'll go to Dane first. Um, yeah, sure. you know, we've kind of talked on, on Rob and you said earlier, you're pleased he came back because you wanted, yeah. you know, and I, I kind of with you on that. I was really excited to see Rom come back. His debut against Arsenal sold me many dreams the way he, mm. the way he was on that debut. I'm pleased for him that he has helped us win a trophy in the Club World Cup. You know, he, he did have quite an important part to play in that with, with goals in the semi-final and final. It's a tough decision. He's look, clearly not in favour at the moment. He's on the bench. He's on the bench in big games for us. Um, it does kind of seem like it go one way. With new ownership as well, they don't really have to worry about, you know, the loss on, on, on the yeah. Rom transfer. Do you think, you know, his career can be saved or do you think it's unfortunately one where it was a nice idea, it's just not worked out and we sell him hopefully for to maybe someone like PSG or whatever? Yeah, you, you always get suckered into a striker, you know, it's something that, you know, I've always done since I was a child, you know, a new a new striker signing. And again, I couldn't see how it could how it could fail, you know. You know, what he's turned into a beast of a striker. And as you said, after the Arsenal away and then... I don't know if it's the following week or, 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 or the third game after Arsenal where we played Villa at home and it was, it was a little bit of an average performance, a little bit slowly, just two chances, two half chances he put away with these. And I thought, wow, we've got a striker and in our Chelsea fan cast predictions, I'm sticking him to score bloody 35 goals in all competitions and completely blinded. Again, you know, it's all about systems in and what suits and... I think Rob's right. I think uh, when Rob said earlier, the, I don't. There's no way they too could have said no, and they would have signed him. You know, he, whether they had their eye on Harland, uh, you know, he's been said we we can get we can get Lukaku, and Tuchel's gone. Yeah, fine, no no problem. And I don't know if they've tried to stick him in into a system and it hasn't worked. It looked like it was working, as I said early on uh, with, with those first couple of games and. I suppose you've got to weigh up, you know, how you play, how, how you were played tactically. Does it bring out the best in certain other players? What happens to Havertz? What happens to Werner? You know, uh, having having watched a lot of Havertz in Leverkusen, I really liked him as that striker, as not even a false nine now, as, you know, as a centre forward. I just believed if you could have two really good goal scoring wingers either side of him, uh, then that then that would bring out the best, which we haven't really got. Although uh, you know Mason Mason's goal tally has, has gone up in recent weeks, uh, but you know they've turned back to Havertz again, and he looks he looks so much better, so much better up there, doesn't he? You know the movement he likes to drift left, right, come deep, which then helps Mason and Timo, as I said, going more central instead of being stuck out on the wing because he's not a winger. You know, he might track back with effort, but he's not going to put his foot in for the tackle. But the last f- three games, he's looked so interested. As as we said, he was our star player today, Werner. So you've got to think, by keeping Lukaku and playing a certain system, is it going to benefit us as a team? I think he's been let down by injuries to Chilwell and Reese, who are two of the best wing-backs in, in, in European, probably world football. And I don't think he's actually played a lot of games where they both were playing. Uh, so, as I said, it, how's it going to suit the team? How's it going to suit the players? Will it suit our system? If you can get a good bid, then maybe maybe you you accept it. You know, if you're writing off 25, 30 million or, or whatever, you know, he will go uh, somewhere else and score goals. But I think with Havertz and that movement and the way we play against Southampton, Real Madrid, personally, I'd like to see us go down that route and get those sort of energy players, you know, with that movement and positioning and pressure and and yeah, that, that high intensity 
the tea and if you can get a, a squad that can revolve around that and evolve yeah it will be amazing so listen like you said I'm glad he's come back if he stays and, and the system suits him then I'm not going to lose sleep over it and I'll support him but yeah I, I think they'll they'll be trying to cut losses it's harsh but after what a couple of you know about eight 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 months but it does make you wonder why they signed him then if they if they didn't play a whole system that completely suits him yeah, Rob, I'll go to you now. What do we do with Rom? Can his Chelsea career be saved or ultimately is no. it just a cutting losses? There we go, straight away. Yeah, didn't even right, right. No. yeah no, I... It's the audacity, I think, of the... Again, I agree the points. I think the points about Chilwell and Jay's being injured affair. The audacity to go out and do that interview. Yeah. Go out and do that interview. After coming into a team that's just won the Champions League mm. is one of the most knit-tight squads, I think, in... World football, okay, and also having been injured himself, I think he'd been out. You know, he'd come back and still been on a run of ten games out scoring before that. Before the interview, I think maybe he did score against. Um, was it Brighton just before the interview came out, and that ended the run? But he scored in back to back against Villa and Brighton, didn't he? Yeah. he? Came on as a sub against Villa, had a big impact, won okay. us the game, and then scored yeah. against Brighton. Yeah, but yeah, but then bit, the interview came out. Yeah, before that, I think he'd been out since the game in the Champions League, uh, the group said game, we got injured and then they come on a couple of substitutes and not scored. Yeah. To go and do that interview without the club's permission, disgraceful. To, you know, not try and think it was a big deal, disgraceful. For me, if the right offer had come in in January, I'd have let him go. I think Inter Milan will try and get a cheap loan deal this summer. We should do everything possible to not let him just go straight out to Inter Milan on loan. Because they will just try and ch- keep chasing for loans and chasing the value down. There should be a fee set. You know, someone like PSG, Bayern might need a striker, whoever, will bite at it and jettison him. Get him out, get players in that want to play for Chelsea. Lukaku talked all of this about being a Chelsea fan, about Drog being his idol. Ever since he's come back to Chelsea, he's done stuff to just disrespect the club. And to me, that's not on. Like, I was, you know, all for it. I believed in, you know, again, I believed in the hype. I thought it was going to work out. But, you know, it, to be honest, it, I, I'm happy, you know, he came in and won us the Club World Cup. But I don't see any way back. I didn't see a way back then. I think it's a case of use the player until the end of the season. He's functional. He's meant to be a good striker. We haven't seen much of that recently, but he's meant to be. And at the end of the season, sell him for money. Get players in that want to come and play in, young, hungry players that want to fit into the system and don't want to be egos. Because that's one thing we don't have much at the moment at Chelsea. And you've seen it at Manchester United. They didn't have uh, many egos a few years ago. And they've slowly brought egos into the squad one by one and it's completely ripped them to pieces. Do you think, do do you two both think uh, Tuchel has sold him in his head then? In his head, he's, he's gone like he's... Or he's either obviously Tuchel's either just gone back to a system that suited us to win the Champions League last season, mm. or he's sold him in his head. I I said to someone the other day that you see it with. This is one of our issues. When Ziyech wasn't playing, he did an interview and said, "I want to play more." Tuchel put him in, and the next game he scored. When Werner did an interview saying, "I'd like to play more minutes," Tuchel put him in in the next game. Um, it was the game against Luton. He scored. When Lukaku did that interview, he went in and you know had a run of just poor performances. He was dropped in that game against Liverpool, which you know we played well in that game, and we showed we didn't need the player. If, for example, Lukaku had done that interview, having scored, you know, 
25 goals in the first half of the season. It became abundantly clear we weren't working to his strengths or that he was being disrespected. I wouldn't have condoned it, but I had more sympathy for it. Lukaku did that interview at a time when we were, I think, second or first in the league. Mm. So it wasn't as if things were exactly, you know, going badly. And that's what really, you know, really, really grinds me again. As you can tell, it did, you know, agitate me a lot at the time. Um, and I think I did one of the episodes at a time um, discussing this. Uh, actually, I was on the episode at the time and discussed this one. But it, to, to me, it's sort of if we can get the right players in in the summer, I think we can build a real young, hungry squad. And I think what we need to do, this has been a good sign to avoid egos. Because the last few egos that we've had at the club, and again, I won't name any of the others, but we have had you know players that have been egos, none of them have worked out well. And none of the players with egos have worked out well. And it, there's a fine line, I think, between an ego and being confident, and Lukaku's way past that line. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, to, um, to answer that question, I think... And to answer Dane's question, I think Tuchel has sold Rom in his head. The only thing that baffles me is after he was dropped, he was then he then started a solid run of maybe ten games in a row or something, something like that. And then he's basically been dropped since, and then he got dropped, and he's basically not started a game apart from maybe an FA Cup that. game. It kind of I don't know, maybe it was pressure from upstairs. I don't know. It just it feels weird looking back, but he was dropped, had ten games, didn't do anything, and then basically just not had you know. Then he's just basically been on the bench every every since and barely gets brought on. It just seems weird that he was given those 10 games to start with, but Rob, you had something to say on that. Yeah, I kind of feel that that was, again, when you hit with Tuchel, Tuchel, you talked about him giving chances and, you know, he spoke about Ruben and gave him a chance. He spoke about Werner and gave him a chance. Tuchel talks about these players and gives them a chance and gives them a chance to come back in and, you know, to show how important they are. I think that was Lukaku's chance. And when, you know, he went that run of games without doing it, it was almost Tuchel's way of vindicating himself of saying, you know, you've done this interview, you've disrespected me, you've disrespected your teammates, you've said, we're not playing to your strengths, what are your strengths? And because he wasn't scoring, you know, suddenly that gives him a much more levity, I think, to drop the player, regardless of the price tag. It's funny because he, he he was quite critical recently when he, again, he was asked about Lukaku Tuchel. He made the point of, of making this point a few times, you know, that he's got to take his chance. And he's sort of not talking about him like a top world-class striker or a hundred million pound striker or an international striker. He's talking about him like a, an average sort of squad rotation player. You've got to come in, you've got to take your chance. And you look back to that Madrid, this was Tuchel's words, look back to that Madrid first leg, you know, he had a chance to score and he didn't take it. And I think that has stayed with Tuchel. Uh, so if you're ready to give him that criticism, you know, to a sub, then that's what he's. De- that's what we're seeing him as now as a sub. Mm. You know, uh, in recent times he played against, you know, Luton and Middlesbrough. You know, so it's like resting others. But when it comes to the bigger games, he's got he's gone back to have it. So you know, I think I think personally, even Tuchel has sold him in his head. Yeah. Okay. Final question has just come in from a good friend of ours, Dean Mears. Does Tuchel turning to Loftus-Cheek instead of Kante tell us anything about Kante's future health, saved only for big games, uh, not sold? Or was it just to try and replicate Kovacic's ability to break the press by dribbling Dane? I think that question came in too late, so it's time to cut it off, especially from him. Uh, yeah, he's just trying to get his, his name out there involved in every show that he can, can't he? He's, he's very spoiled, Dean. Uh Sorry, what well, I wasn't even as soon as you mentioned his name, my 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 brain just turned off because I thought I'm not him again. So I'll let Rob answer this. I didn't even hear the question. 
I mean, I, I've got to, I've got to say, congratulations to Dean on his one uh, funny tweet of the year on Wentworth Kings Meadow today with his Arsenal tweet. Um, you know, I know Jane usually provides most of them, but congratulations on the on on the one great moment of the year. Um, I don't know. I think Conte looked tired midweek. I think obviously he made the mistakes. I think Loftus Cheek is more in the mould of a Kovacic. I also think Ruben had that real, you know, incentive to come on and do well. Because obviously Tuchel sort of bigged him up and sort of, you know, had been very complimentary of him, but also sort of given him that challenge. And him coming on as a substitute almost was a sort of perfect, almost a perfect situation for him because it was, you know, we're playing poorly, we're not doing very well. Come on, change our performance, win us the game. And to Ruben's credit, I thought he did that. I thought he was excellent in the second half. Yeah, it was scored a great goal. Um, was unlucky not to get an assist with that pass where I thought Havertz, you know, should have, made it better, sort of better decisions and just generally came on and played really well. And yeah, again, as we'll sort of finish, I think it's a good point to finish on is it's good to see Loftus-Cheek doing well, just by the amount of stuff that's been thrown at him throughout his career, ranging from, you know, bad injuries to going out on loan a couple of times. Um, it's just nice to see him doing well. And I think it's good because obviously he is the original, you know, Academy poster boy, I think, and the original great hope for the Academy. Yeah. Do you no. think? Do you do you both think he might make the England squad, or that's important to? Um, I think England's probably still a way off. Yeah, I, I think I there's probably a few people ahead of him who are playing more often than him who are probably more likely to get a call up. But yeah. I mean, when you, when you think about the the midfield for England at the moment, you've got people like Bellingham, Gallagher, Rice, Mount, Phillips, Smith Rowe. Um, there's more. There must be more names that I've, again. Suddenly the mind goes blank. But Ward Prowse as another one. That's what seven of them already. Phil Foden, eight of them already. Um, it seems hard. Like I'd really love to see him get another chance with the national side, but I think he needs a consistent run of game. Like if we were talking about Ruben, for example, keep playing that way and say you know gets at the end of the season goes on a run of goal scoring and suddenly you know ends the season with say seven or eight goals and a few assists, maybe. But I think the ship has possibly sailed for Qatar um, because I don't see Southgate, you know, being tactically flexible. The one thing he does have going for him is he plays for a big clubs. So that automatically means, you know, he's higher up than any, you know, midfielder. I was surprised Gallagher got selected by Southgate, but then I realised it's because he's probably just seen the fact he's got Chelsea next to his name because he's not going to watch Crystal Palace all season. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and again, yeah. also with Gurhi, and I was pleased to see Gurhi get selected. Although, again, Southgate probably still thinks he's at Chelsea on loan. Um, the more <laughs> not getting selected ahead of Tyrone Mings is one of probably the worst footling decisions I've ever seen. Um, and again, I look forward to us, you know, constantly starting Harry Kane at the Euros, having no mobility while Tammy Abraham sits on the bench um, or possibly doesn't even go to Qatar. And Jose Mourinho sits and says, that's why England don't win anything again. But anyway, I'll stop ranting about the national side. Yeah, the good is, thing this... about Ruben is, Ruben has shown he's, you know, he's, he's capable, you know, for all his faults that we've all thought of recently, he's shown a really disciplined, mm. right-sided role in Bernabeu uh, and a right wing-back, whether you liked it or not, against Southampton in recent weeks. He's shown he can play in uh, quite a few positions. So that might be deemed as, you know, as a massive bonus. I well, don't I think mean, so. you all know, right think. back is a real weak point for England. So there's definitely, you know, a real shot for him in there because there's only <laughs> what, Reese James, 
the bloke at Liverpool we all hear about. Um, Carl Walker. I'm a bloke at Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carl Walker. All of the options. But no, I think it's a... I, I really would love to see Loftus-Cheek, wherever it is, even if he you know, decides in the summer he needs to move on and play regular minutes. I'd love to see Loftus-Cheek go the rest of his career major injury-free. Yeah, Just right. exactly. You know what... You know. What 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 made me laugh is you 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 forget that the World Cups you know in, in in late winter you know like November December so you're thinking then who could be making it well where will Ruben be in his in in his club career in November mm. Connor Gallagher could be back at us uh, you know I, I doubt we we will take up the option of, of Mark Gayu you know but that will be a surprise but all these players you know will be you know into a good chunk of the. Uh, of the 2022-23 season and then going into World Cup, you obviously we're so used to it being a, a summer event. So mm. it would be just imagining even as I just made an example of Conor Gallagher being a Chelsea player going to the World Cup is uh, it's quite far ahead. Yeah, no, exactly. But as was all the questions we got sent in this week, it was a real fun one to record. And I say Chelsea have got an FA Cup final to look forward to in May. So that is very lovely stuff. I want to thank our two guests for coming on, Dane and Rob. Dane, before you go, give yourself one last word where people can find you, obviously where they can find the Fancaster and when smoking's meadow. Yeah, just for just the basic, you know, D Wits9 on Twitter. You know, I don't tweet a lot. I, I do obviously I'm quite a busy man, but I do notice it a lot of a lot of everyone else's tweets. But yeah, I'm I'm obviously a, a you know a member of the Chelsea Fancast wonderful team. Um, and we're at, at Chelsea Fancast uh on Twitter and uh Chelsea Fancast on Instagram and we we, we usually, you know, Chidge will usually put out two shows a week and then the odd 50 years of Chelsea celebration he's doing at the moment. But I'm regularly on with, I'm regularly, unfortunately, on with Dean Mears. Fortunately, Jane's on there quite a lot as well. And we, we're lucky to have, you know, you know, some stellar guests like Rob come on, which stops us hearing a lot of Dean's uh, uh, views and jokes. But, you know, me, Dean and Jane and, and whatever guests, and we're at, at, at Mo King's Meadow. And obviously we talk about how we, we try and talk and, and praise our amazing a women's football team and yeah it's, it's an absolute honor to be on there and you know and learning something you know each week watching the women's game I knew a lot before without without bragging you know, I've always sports has been a massive part of my life and I've you know American inspired American values you know I've, I've always been able to watch all sports and so you know it's easy to take this on but as I said yeah no with all all respect to Dean you know I appreciate you know the friendship I've got with him and the lot he's shown me and and and, and coming on and, and asking to come on and be a host but yeah you know it's, it's, it's been a, appreciate coming on here and uh yeah, yeah this is a really good podcast you know I hope you get all, all, all the respect you know you know you deserve you know you know I, I know I, I put you on the Chelsea Fancast Instagram page and, and try and promote you as much as I can on a you know uh when, when I've got time in my lunch breaks but yeah no you know you're a great you're a great host Nick you know you really you organize the show well you get some really good stellar guests on and it's you know it's it's very appreciated to come on even if 15 told you to bring me on <laughs> uh Dane thank you very much for coming it is always a pleasure having you on uh Rob before you go why don't you give yourself one last plug and more importantly where people can find the Chelsea Social and Chelsea Women's Social yeah, I mean, again, I have to sort of echo what's been said. I do think this is you know, one of the pods that I regularly, you know, do make sure I listen to because I think there's always a good barometer of guests. Unfortunately, Dean does sometimes pop up on here, but you know, I can't, I can't avoid him. Unfortunately, again, I, you know, the Went Smokings Man is my my choice women's podcast as well. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes you just gotta. It's a bit like when Lukaku starts, you've just got to accept it, really, sort of grin and bear it. But um, no, uh, again, I'm the RJP journalism. 
and uh, yeah, much more interestingly, follow at the Chelsea Social and at the CSW Social because there's much better sort of content on there, and there's actually funny jokes, unlike when Dean tweets. Right, Rob Bowes links to me in the description. Like, Dean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for, for this just unprovoked attack on I'm you not. at the end of the show. I'm sorry, mate. Loves us really. <laughs> he does, he does. To be fair, to be fair, he, he did say, I think, you know, they're both jealous of, of how funny I am, and especially Rob when he steals my tweets. That's what he's been saying. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, before we go, some final stats for you. Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Mason Mount, two Englishmen, scored in the same game for Chelsea at, a Wem- at Wembley for the first time since the 1970 FA Cup final lead. Peter Hausman, Ian Hutchinson, and this great Chelsea side. Great tweet from Gary Hayes to finish up. Davis Chelsea's 54th game of the season in all competitions. By reaching the FA Cup final, they'll now play 63. At the start of the season, they could have played 66. Only games they'll miss out on are UA for Champions League semi final and final. What an incredible achievement. Tell me this team yeah. isn't elite. And on that note, it's time for us to end the show. Say thanks to our two guests. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter about Chelsea Pod, we're on Instagram about Chelsea Podcast, we're on all your usual podcast platform providers, Spotify, Apple, etc. You can give us a rating and review. When I tweet the show, I give it a light retweet. Helps spread the love about. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, check the description down below for our sponsorship, our partnership with Manscaped, where you can get twenty percent off products using discount code at that Chelsea. Uh, sorry, discount code that Chelsea Pod. But until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com/live. <laughs> 